Hello and welcome to the Conscious Living Podcast in partnership with The Muslim Vibe, which is a not-for-profit online magazine that seeks to inform, inspire and empower young Muslims in the West. I'm your host, Zaini Pindwani, osteopath, fellow of applied functional science, functional medicine enthusiast and naturopath. I'm also the director of 12th Health, which is a holistic, integrated health clinic that aims to empower you towards better health. I believe that health is more than just the absence of disease. It is a journey of well-being that allows you to fulfill your potential. With these podcasts, I aim to show that health can be improved from a variety of lifestyle philosophies and habits. I'm going to be speaking to a diverse range of fascinating and exciting people from the grassroots of our communities who spend each and every day inspiring us to be present, stay healthy and fulfill our potentials. Through these conversations, we will share some simple, practical tools that can enable us to transform the way we live our lives. I believe that we all have a purpose, and if we are healthier, we can experience more, and if we can experience more, we can live truly. So today on our Conscious Living Show, Conscious Living Show, we have Matt Sprink. Um, let me introduce him. He's a global pastor with Tamil Baptist Church and the project manager for Refuge Coffee UK. He's lived in Texas, Missouri, South Africa, and now calls Stanmore his home. His home. Yeah. He received a BBA in business management from Baylor University and an MDiv in theolo- theology from George W. Truett Theological Seminary. He loves street food. And we're going to say this right. He loves good coffee because <laughs> he's American and laughing over long meals with family and friends. He shares life and table with his wife, Holly, and their two kids, Lucy and Makias. Today's conversation is going to be around community and how community itself and relationships amongst our community can help us in our health and well-being every single day. Um, these are things that happen on the side, people don't realize they're happening, but they are happening. They're improving people's lives every single day. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks I'm so much. I'm glad you could spend time. We met, I think, um, when was this? We met at, at, uh, about three years ago. About three years ago yeah. in a Visit My Mosque event, yeah. actually, um, where uh, the church actually came over to the mosque and, and we met Matt there. And ever since, I think we've grown close in our relationship. Um, we get coffee every yeah. coffee, coffee. Every, other, every other week, I think, actually. <laughs> and we've been around to, uh, to Matt's house a couple of times. He's been a great guest for um, guest to have him on the show today. Um, and I want to start off, Matt, actually talking about you. Sure. and your experiences within your community in Stanmore Baptist Church and also communities you've seen around the world. I mean, you've been to South Africa. I know you've talked a lot about your experience in South Africa with me and now Stanmore as well um, and back home in, in Kansas City as well. So yeah, over, over to you. Uh, it's, it's great to be just kind of having this conversation and I do feel uh, we could be sitting at any coffee table over the last two years as if we've known one another. And so uh, when I think about community, I think about roots that I had being around uh, with my family, with others. I'm an only child, uh, so there was a natural drive outside of the immediate kind of nuclear family unit into the community. So whether that was on football teams, uh, whether that was within our church community, whether that was through other community programs or activities, there was always a drive kind of beyond. And I think uh, as a person of faith in that anchored within churches I've been a part of, uh, most recently back in Kansas City as well, and then here in Stanmore Baptist, there's that same sense where you have uh, an experience with other people, and yet as you grow in relationship with those folks, you say, well, there's something good here, something right. We shouldn't keep this or hoard it. You know, the thought that um, kind of a selfish nature of that or hoarding it 
fearful that you'll get a smaller slice of the pie if somebody else gets in on it. It really doesn't work that way with community. Uh, community can grow. Uh, relationships can grow. Uh, things can go beyond that. So as opposed to looking at relationships, uh, connectivity we have from a selfish perspective, fearing we're always going to lose it, if we can instead see that as having kind of a gravitational pull that it will bring others towards it, that's what you'd want to see. Um, I, I think it, in any faith community, that's typically when you see health taking place. Now, we can obviously see sick communities that kind of guard against and put up walls, and what they typically do then is die. <laughs> they die off. There's not health. There's meant to be kind of flow back and forth. Uh, I joke with friends, we're not meant to do life in some kind of lone wolf style. We, we are meant to, we are relationally created beings. You know, Matt, that brings me on to a, a point, actually. Today's culture, we seem to be a lot more isolated in terms of how we approach the lone wolf kind of concept. Yeah. Um, we see loneliness going on the rise uh, here in the UK, especially we see that. Um, and within communities as well, we see that mm. loneliness within community, which is a, a strange concept to think about, that we still feel lonely within a community yeah. um, structure itself. Um but what, what is it that's causing that, really? What do you think within the community structure or even just within a family structure that's causing us to, to lose connectivity, yeah. if you like? Well, I, I think that we can substitute things for that. So sometimes we try to, um, we bring in technology, we bring in something else that we think is going to enhance, enhance something, and what it does is get in the way. Um, or uh, even, even from, a, from a faith community perspective, I was reading in... Um, scripture this week. I was reading through Acts, which is a book in the New Testament. It talks about the early church as it hatched out and what it committed itself to. And it said they committed themselves to uh, teaching from the apostles. They committed themselves to the sense of fellowship or shared life, uh, to the common meal and to prayers. And so there was kind of a balanced experience there of education, of life shared together, eating together, praying together. And some of what leads to isolation is I think when we elevate one of those, above something else. So um, I can speak from my tradition. I'd love to get your perspective yeah. on it, but even from an from a Islamic uh, faith tradition on it, I'd say that within the Christian tradition as of late, we probably overemphasize teaching. So what happens is people can experience something or come to a community, primarily draw upon a teaching perspective. Who am I listening to? Who's teaching? Who's uh, giving good education in that? And yet what's dropped off is life shared, common meals, praying together, so we've found imbalance because we're consuming something out of that community, but not replenishing. So um, wow. I'm not a farmer, but if you take from the land constantly with a lot, without allowing it rest, without replenishing what needs, then the land goes off. <laughs> the land goes wrong. The same happens in our communities. Uh, I, I'm not sure if, if you'd have a take on that, but my guess is, you know, uh, if I could be so bold that you, you could fall off in the ditch of prayer, uh, potentially saying so people come to practice, to spend time in prayer, and yet there could be the sense where I've, I've come and prayed now, I've got to get back to the office, I've got to get back to family or whatever else. So all of a sudden conversations that would linger around that, mm. a shared meal that might linger around that, other teaching that could stretch or influence that and remind, mm. don't allow prayer to happen that doesn't bind you with your community or with your brother or sister that you're praying beside. Yeah, I mean, in fact, um, prayer from from a faith perspective, from an Islamic perspective, in our sense, congregational prayers had the 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 philosophy of community, right. of that you would turn to your brother on the right, turn to your brother on the left, find out 
what's their life like? You know, any issues, anything I can help with, can I support? It's supposed to improve conversation. Yeah. I'm just going to bring you back to that point about <laughs> meals. Yeah. Um, We've come to an age where meals are essentially in front of the television. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very common thing. Um, you know, grab the meal from the kitchen, let's all go to the TV room. Dad's sitting watching TV. Mom's trying to feed the kids, maybe. Yeah. Or she's sitting with the dad. Kids are d- doing their own thing, maybe on their iPad or, or yeah. on their phone. And so that you brought in that social media concept. And I remember there was a book that you mentioned. Uh, do you remember that book you mentioned that you, you said uh, I'll see I if I can read it, it and yeah, I yeah. forgot to read <laughs> you know this is going to come back and haunt me actually but it was it was one on technology actually yeah, yeah. and we're living in a life that's moving I mean technology has only come around recently it's not been that long I uh, can't remember the exact date when, when we first started to get our phones and things mm. in but considering that 10, 15, 20 years maybe where it's just taken a massive um, uh, um, stretch into the things that we can do now today. Yeah. I mean, I was just listening on the radio today. Um, this lady was talking about an electric car. She can actually de-ice the car in the morning. So she gets five, 10 minutes from inside, the house. From inside yeah. the house. Yeah. So we've moved so far ahead. Mm. But by that, for me specifically, I've noticed within my family as well, we've lost communication, mm. conversation. We've lost eating together um whether that be family or even expanded out to community um and it brings me back to that at table concept which we will come on to as well um but just to experience that with with someone else with your family and the conversations you have on the table with a family um can be extraordinary you don't notice things that you didn't notice before yeah and i can't cite the study right now but i know in the u.s some studies were done related to what was a common unifying factor related to success in kids and it didn't have to do with socioeconomic background didn't have to do with aptitude it had to do with how many shared meals they had with family each week so one of the prime indicators of how young people were going to do as they progressed into full adulthood and you know worked through adolescence and to see them thriving related directly to how many shared meals they'd had. And that cut across wow. all those other spectrums. So for us, family meals are a, a big piece. And they don't have to be elaborate. We often joke it's not about the food. It is about the food. This can happen <laughs> if, you know, Holly's been working or we've been cooking together or barbecuing whatever else and had an elaborate meal. It can happen with a very simple meal. But when you carve out and say, we're going to sit together, we're going to, you know, turn off devices. Uh, there's some practical tips catching fire of like, do you have a basket in your house where when it, you come to sit at the table, will you put your phones in the basket? Is that before something you that you, you do? We've tried. Family? Now, yeah. if you hit me on any given day, you'll probably catch me. My kids will catch me at it. But we do. We try not to have devices at the table. Um, just because as soon as it goes, it's a rabbit hole. You know, if, if something buzzes, you look at it, and then before you know it, you've been staring at your phone for five minutes as opposed to engaging in conversation. So... Mm-hmm. For these small amounts of time, it doesn't have to be a four-hour meal. You know, even if it's a 30-minute, 40-minute family meal where you're sitting down together, uh, you have the chance to block out some distractions and see what happens. Uh, We'll often, you know, I think families are scared to do that at times. Uh, We overschedule things. You see parents uh, scheduling activities for their kids because they don't know what to do when there's idle time. They don't know what's going to happen when they just talk. They don't know what their kid's going to say. They don't know how they're going to respond. Uh, they're afraid of that conversation. I'm not afraid of conversations with my kids. Uh, we, we talk and uh, we'll talk about highs and lows. These are easy ways just to say what was a good part of your day, what was a low part of your day. And we don't hold people to it like before they eat, you know, but it's just a way to talk. And then typically that opens up conversation. Uh, now, from time to time, there may be, oh, we want to 
flip a show on or we're listening to a game or something else as we're eating, that can happen too. But even if for a few minutes you give that dedicated listening space, which is really what I think it's about, it's not as much can we get one another to talk, it's can we get one another to listen. Can we, can we give attentive listening in a family circumstance like that around a table? Great things happen. And uh, there's a Spanish word uh, called sobra mesa, uh, which is kind of the lingering effect at a table. And when meals happen well, I think you get to that because you may clear off some tables, but then people come back and they're sitting there with a cup of tea or coffee or whatever it is, and maybe a sweet or something else, but they're not wanting to get up. You know, uh, a family meal should not simply be transactional. I've taken my nutrients in, now I'm off. You know, to get to something that is nourishing uh, there's more to the the family meal or the table meal yeah rather than just the nourishment of the food absolutely um actually uh, most recently we just had and you'll probably hear this podcast from a nutritionist we talked about good food and good nutrients yeah um a, a lot of the time sometimes the nutrients on the table <laughs> may be fantastic but what about the nutrients between each other yeah um, that we share um so you mentioned about this this fear of mm. talking to your kids yeah. Yeah, or, or fear of what they're going to say. And it doesn't only happen from a kid's perspective, even your, even your partner. Yeah. Um, maybe you fear that something may come out there that you weren't ready for. Um, what are the kind of steps here that, I mean, maybe steps that you've taken or even things that you've talked about uh, in your church and even amongst your fellow community as well about how to overcome that fear as a step-by-step. Step. We talked about having just half an hour, even just 10 minutes to begin yeah. with, a cup of tea and, 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 and a drink or a cup of tea and, and a sweet, like you said, and just to open up that conversation, um, not by forcing, mm. but just by being there, naturally conversation starts yeah. and conversation begins. But that fear is, is where people may feel, I don't want to enter that. Yeah. Uh, and conflict remains for years without overcoming I think you have to commit to a practice of it. Um, there's no magic wands here, you know. <laughs> there, there's nothing that uh, is going to be, and and some of this could look very different for different families. Uh, you know, I, we're unique. We're strangers in a foreign land in many ways. Uh, <laughs> you know, in terms of how we we live as Americans uh, within kind of UK culture, um, but I, I think by committing to a practice of it is where you can begin to see a win or a success. So I think it was for a good number of meals where we would talk about highs and lows as a simple way to engage with our kids, what was good from the day, what was bad from the day. It's uh, by practicing saying, I'm not going to have my phone at the table tonight. And then mm -hmm. the next night when you sit down for dinner and you still have your phone in your pocket and your child says, uh, do you have your phone in your pocket? I heard a buzz. And you say, eat your food. You know, <laughs> you know they say, yes, I do. And then you kind of chuck it over behind on the counter or whatever else. But as you do that in time, all of a sudden space is there for it. So I, I think it's committing to the practice. And, and again, that's, that's preparing soil. You know, I, I hate to go back to the farming analogy, but you know, if you're preparing soil for good things, um, we wouldn't expect good crops to grow out of a pile of rocks. <laughs> you might get some weeds to sprout up, but you're not really expecting something good and sustaining. So if we're saying, I'd like a better relationship with my spouse, I have to be willing to work that soil a bit. Mm. I have to be willing to remove the rocks from the dinner table, which may well be the brick cell phone that I've got. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to literally move that object out of it because if it stays there, it's going to distract the relationship. We're not going to get to that conversation. So I think for the fear piece, um, 
it, it would be not having too high an expectation at first. Uh, I know we may be craving these soul to soul, you know, what's going to really connect us through this one random meal. Uh, don't, don't ask for too much to begin with, you know, just get to, are we having a good rhythm of conversation? Because as that trust is there, as you know, that's going to come, who's to say that then you're 14 year old won't which which night at the dinner table will they choose to share something that's really been struggling Mm -hmm. or or when will that conversation actually come as you're washing up together afterwards but you've you've laid the ground and the prep work for it you've laid the ground i was just about to say you've laid that soil ready for yeah for these times um very interesting on that note of the of this table um, I know you and Holly have got this great, I think it was Holly's idea. Yeah, yeah it was, Holly's absolutely. Idea, um, this at table piece. And um, I'll be one to already say <laughs> that I've benefited a lot from that, where we've had dinner with, for example, uh, friends of yours who have yeah. come round and we've gone round to their house. And we've had really in-depth conversations with them and experienced a different, a different world. Maybe we would never have met them mm. if we didn't put these this concept together so it would be great for our audience to just get a bit of a flavor of yeah. what this at table concept is and how it can benefit from what we've just talked about about setting the soil about committing to a practice mm. first obviously starting with your family which is where we yeah. started from or with yourself really first and then family and then moving it on to actually saying well let's go cross-culturally yeah. let's go cross faith-based Cross the fence to your Let's neighbors. Let's go across the fence to your neighbors. <laughs> Let's keep it even simpler than yeah. that. I'm going too far here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go across the fence to your neighbors and just have a meal with your neighbors and understand where they're coming from and, and where their perspective is. And it lays the ground for this overall health and well-being support system, nourishment, all the rest of it as well. And lo and behold, your neighbor might be osteopath Zane who <laughs> cooks this really nice food yeah, yeah. and brings it over and teaches you about nutrition. Whereas sure. the other side may be Pastor Matt Spring who comes over and says, look at all my experiences here. I'm going to share the stories that I've gone uh, mm. and had uh, over this time as well. So yeah, just the, the at table piece and, and the concept around that. I know maybe you're talking on Holly's behalf here. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, we've met Holly. We I'll know try to exactly do justice, yeah. <laughs> what her passion is for, for this piece as well. And I will be putting a few things on our show notes. If people want to get in contact That'd with you, you never know. Someone might want to uh, yeah. come and have a at table piece with you as well. So oh, they'd always be most welcome. About, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I think the at table originated from uh, looking within our own uh, faith community in some ways. And just to look at the example of who Jesus was. He is constantly eating with people. He is constantly in relationship. And yet, if you ask the average person what they would expect of a church, would they assume meals would be part of it? Most would say no. (laughs) And so something that was central of a practice, of a routine, of a rhythm, we've devalued. Uh, We've allowed to go by the wayside, kind of like I said earlier, maybe in favor of teaching, maybe in favor of some other corporate experience. And um, I think we're reaping the negative benefits of that. Because that's where you have breakdowns that then come from. So at table was born from this experience that as we see Jesus at the table with people and in a few unique instances, it says he takes bread, he breaks it, and eyes are opened. And what we began to think about and Holly really began challenging our family with was what is it we can look at in terms of meals? How are we allowing eyes to be open? And what takes place there is everyone's eyes are taking place like it's a it's a corporate awakening experience that somehow or another 
is enhanced by food, <laughs> is enhanced by the setting there, uh, because that could have happened in a lot of settings, and yet it seems to be happening around meals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that table, we said, let's find practices that would um, celebrate uh, stories and sustenance. So how is it we will be sustained, yes, by food, but more than that, by the stories with one another? So with that table, uh, we've done this in a lot of different settings, a lot of different uh, applications, if you will, or environments, but it gets very simply to drawing together two family units, two individuals, to share a meal in one another's home, and then to reverse and kind of go to the other person's home and share a meal um, with a few ground rules that we've, we've laid out there. We make sure that folks know this is not you know, some captive audience, doors aren't locked as they come in, and uh, but what we have said is we won't allow simply questions related to uh, weather and sports to consume the night. We want to get to the story of who someone else is. So for me, I remember even as we sat down first few times at Costa and sat, and I heard your experiences of growing up and how your family poured into you, your community had been part of yours, there was immediately a sense of there were similarities to my own upbringing. And even though I'm nearly twice your age and grew up in the States, <laughs> I mean, it's there were just things that were there and connected, but that's because we got to story with one another. And it would have been easy to jockey around in terms of, well, talk professional stuff, even talk um, faith things, big picture kind of stacking things up against, but we got to story. And so I think for that table piece, we're just trying to, get folks to get to stories. So ask questions about one another, uh, ask about great meals they've had, ask about uh, experience they've had, uh, ask about formational times in their past. You know, I think I'm going to pause you on that note for a second and just bring in this concept that you've just hit a nail on the head for me. Um, We sometimes feel that we are communicating. We are have a community of support, if you like, and we are meeting our friends, family, cousins, brothers. But we seem to stay on that level mm. a lot of the time of talking about professional business to business. Um, what's the weather like? Just the odd, hey, how are you? How's it going? Hope you're good. Okay, great. Not actually letting go a little bit. And I mean, the word letting go might be too much for some. <laughs> it might say, I'm not telling you to open up yeah. all your experiences. But, you know, just getting to stories, like you're saying, and understanding the other person from that perspective. And I think what you'll find is stress, which is a huge, huge, big problem in today's mm. today's world. Um, you know, I, I know there's there's been books written on stress. There's There's been studies on stress and how it influences your body and how it influences your physical body and also your, your mental state as well. Um, you know, physically, that stress hormone, the cortisol hormone, it can have so much, it can play so much havoc with how you think and also your chemical reactions within your body. You need some form of stress. It's not completely, you need nothing. Yeah. But if it's constant mm. and continuous all the time, then it can play havoc a lot with how your body is. And I know I, t- I treat patients with lower back pain, chronic mm. back pain, shoulder pain. They can be stress-related. They can start on with stress with stress that's in your life. Um, but getting to the stories, mm. in some sense, what I felt when we had our conversation yeah. was a complete de-stress. Mm. Like you've just gone for a walk in the park. Mm. 
um, gone for a, uh, to see a museum, yeah. gone on holiday. And a lot of us go on holiday to de-stress, but little <laughs> do we know, sometimes we're more stressed out because yeah. we're still thinking about what's happening back home. But when, we un- when I started to begin to understand your story and mm. you begin to understand my story, once you come to those similarities in, of understanding, that sense of you're not alone mm. on this journey comes in. Yeah. Um, and you may hear people who have gone through health experiences, you know, health issues in the past and have come overcome those. Mm. And you thought you were alone on that journey, whether it be cancer, whether it be um, an illness you have from abroad, whether it be the normal flu and fever. I mean, just now we just talked about <laughs> my son who's, yeah, yeah. who's suffering from a fever and you're talking about your son yeah. who's suffering from a fever. And already that can give us a, a kind of peace. Of, well, we're both in this together kind mm. of approach. Uh, um, so on that note, on, on this note of sharing stories, mm. I think the at table piece for us, or for me personally, and, and also I think for my wife as well, getting down to those stories helps to de-stress, just helps to, helps us to understand there's another person on the other end who understands where you're coming from. Mm. And even whether it be our journey, I mean, I've had journeys, we've, we've had to potentially move country, right. didn't happen, yeah. potentially move from city, but throughout that journey, you've always been there as a family mm. to say, Zane, we're here. Mm. We're here to support. And when we've come round and we've talked about that, I remember going back in the car and thinking, I feel really good, actually. Mm. I've had that come off my chest a little bit. And I've had somebody else's perspective and someone else's life experiences talk to us and say, hang on, we've been through that as well. Hmm. You know, traveled to South Africa. I remember that. Yeah. Um, you know, as you say, you're twice my age. So you had lots of experiences. <laughs> but, you know, we were going to travel cities or travel different yeah. countries. And for in order for my wife to get a bit of a better understanding of how that might feel and what support she may have mm. around her, your experiences change that. Mm. Um, so this at table piece is powerful. Mm. Um, and, you know, coming on that point of stories, yeah. that's where we really need to get into. But to get to stories... Sometimes it's natural for someone. Um, sometimes it's not. Yeah. And they find it very difficult. I mean, committing to a practice is one thing, but being able to get to that level, uh, we find difficult. Yeah, and I think that if... What I think you've just described and even thinking about our relationship with one another, the act of listening is creating space for something else to enter. You know, so if, if I'm listening, I'm giving space now for you to speak words, speak stories. So I've... I've withdrawn, not withdrawn, but I've made space within myself for you to enter in. And, you know, if you think of hospitality, if you think of inviting someone into your home, uh, we can invite people into our home. And Holly will often say, uh, you can tell if food has been cooked in love or not. You know, like if, if, if it has been lovingly prepared or you can tell if you walk into a home and you're like, oh, please don't let my children break anything because they're going to destroy something in this house and it's going to go bad. And versus you walk into the home and somebody hands your kid a popsicle as soon as they walk in, you're like, this night's going to go just fine because it's, it's all, it's all been, you can recognize they're creating space for you to come in. And, um, I think that's where I would say what you're hitting on here in terms of this fear of when we just bump up against one another, the problem is we're not creating space for the other to be really you. Um, so if you and I have a conversation where we're just kind of bumping up one another, running down what's been happening, this or that, uh, weather, sports, oh, okay, is this, that, we're not really giving space to say, 
saying when you're considering this, how is that really impacting relationship? Mm -hmm. So what I've just done is I've tossed something to you and then I've opened myself up and said, I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to catch. Are you willing? And so then you can give into that or you can choose not to. You know, that's not an oppressive thing. It's not saying, you've got to tell me this story. You've got to tell me this. But if we can offer space for someone then to enter into, that's what I think the listening act is. Um, so I, I hope that's not too uh, not too, too intangible, but, but I really do, I do think that's what's taking place when we, when we invite people into homes or a round table, what can change the dynamic is if you're really giving space for someone to enter in and you want to know that story mm, you I want think, to hear from i them. think that's that that's the key isn't it space yeah uh, even what we were talking about before about family um having the practice of the meal yeah. together is essentially providing a space for you to have that conversation Correct. um Margin um, could be another word. Didn't mean to interrupt you. Margin, like, no, absolutely. Are, are you creating margin? Or are you creating space for these things to take place? No, for sure. And and actually, I think one of the things we find um, is we may get the meal on the table, but we haven't created space because we're the ones talking. Right. So we, whoever it might be, parents, kids, um, are dominating that table and not actually opening up a space of listening and saying, hmm. hey, son, hey, daughter, hey, wife, hey, husband. Yeah. Um, talk how's your day yeah yeah um what did you get up to this morning you know how was i was at work and you know things were going opening up that perspective and giving that space um communities do that hmm. because if you provide an environment for people to communicate and converse with each other whether it be through faith or even through just a means of saying, hang on, you know, I really need a support here and I need someone to talk to you, whether that be going back to God or going back to one another, those communities provide that emotionally and physically, actually. You're there with them, but emotionally as well, you yeah. are, you're gifting that opportunity of, of space. Um, and one thing I've realized is, w number one, as you say, we probably need to change our focus point on not just teaching, hmm. but also experiencing. And hmm. that's part of the communities as a whole. But also, we need to go more hmm. um, and and try and listen. Yeah. Try to open up, give space, yeah. and see what you gain from doing that. Um, because a lot of times we find those who may have emotional baggage, physically not feeling great, hmm. they tend to shy away from the community because maybe the community themselves is not opening up space, or they haven't tried to open up space themselves. Yeah. Right? So it's twofold. So listening to you, knowing what you're doing, knowing that you're at Stanford Baptist Church, for example, yeah. and you were willing to open up space for someone, mm. right? The other person just needs to take that next step. And as yeah. soon as they do, they can have that same that that, that conversation through that. Um, but it can be difficult. Yeah. It can be difficult to, to engage in that. Um, I don't know if you have anything that you can share around that, around if I was X person mm. going through a stressful time, you know, maybe I am traveling and, and I don't want to travel to this new city of mine yeah. that I'm, I'm now embarking on, for example, um, but I don't have anyone to share it with. It may not be family. Mm. I may be someone who lives alone 
or my parents, my family lives abroad, and we have a lot of people who live mm. here today who have that circumstance. Where does it fit in? That how do they feel comfortable coming out or opening up, if you like? And I use the term opening up particularly because we talk about space, but opening up is is, is difficult. Yeah. It's a difficult perspective, and it's not necessarily saying coming to a community to do that, but even to a practitioner, to a therapist, mm. you know, it's difficult sometimes to feel like I need to go in search of someone who knows and understands my situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know that may not, may not be something which we can add on to, but I, this is something to share about how people can take away practical tools of, of trying to change the way they, they see themselves and the way they approach others and, and approach community as a whole. I, I think if people are willing to be attentive and watchful for others around them, um, you know, one, one of the other hats I wear and worn over the last year and a half is helping to be kind of project manager on this Refuge Coffee piece we've launched, which is essentially centered around a, a little mobile coffee truck that trades from a car park along a busy access route where people are coming and going, school run, commute. And uh, we said coffee and conversation create community. And we have a few core things we do working uh, with some people in the community that we want to help, uh, maybe from refugee backgrounds and others. But really we've said good things can happen if people will take just a moment on a school run or on a commute to stop and grab a cup of coffee and talk with someone else. And for our audience, where are you based? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're based down in Stanmore, uh, just right at Abercorn Road in Old Church Lane. Uh, you can't miss it. Uh, stop by. and uh, I think you got some social media um, yeah, for yeah, Refuge you can, Coffee. Yeah, so Refuge we'll put Coffee it, UK. Yeah, you we'll can put it in us. the show notes and uh, yeah. people can just check it out. But that piece itself on its own, bringing in what, we, what I was just mentioning about this feeling of I'm lonely and I need to open up. Yeah. Refugees come under that that, that, that umbrella that they may have left from a very uh, war-torn country, for example, and ended up in Stanmore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Refuge Coffee was designed, if I'm not mistaken, around the concept of have a conversation. Let's open up space. Ha- have conversations. Uh, we, we provide some training that creates workflow, getting people into employment and different things as well. Um, but, but part of it is you'd be amazed as someone is standing there waiting for a latte or cap- cappuccino, whatever else it is, uh, how they'll just start sharing or talking. And because listening again, we've fallen so out of practice, when it's offered, when someone looks you in the eye and... Um, asks how are things going or what's going on today what have you got planned you never know what might happen and and it's fun because we interact with families and so if i ask an, an adult or parent who's there you know well what have you got planned this weekend oh this or the other and you ask the kids oh we've got to do this this and we're going to do this and so it's hilarious to see how uh, you're kind of talking about walls or defense pieces correct yeah. who, who's willing to open up um but then out of nowhere somebody walking by one day oh what have you got going on today and Somebody says, I've got a job interview at 11. And because I know I'm going to see that same person that afternoon when they pick up their child, when they walk by and you say, hey, how did the job interview go? And then they stop for 15 minutes to talk. Our coffee's really good, <laughs> but, but our coffee's not that good. <laughs> you know? And so what does that say? What, what, what that says is something is happening in that moment mm. that I, I think is beyond what we can manufacture on our own. I'm enough of a mystic to say those are good, um, almost sacred or holy moments that happen as people listen to one another and things open up. Uh, those are the things that happen as a, a young 18 or 19-year-old maybe who's been through a great deal in a journey coming into this area, dealing with family, dealing with tragedy, whatever else. 
all of a sudden as they're learning how to make a coffee or a hot chocolate and you see them smile because it tastes really good or it gets right or they put extra sprinkles on for a six-year-old in front of them and hand it to them and see that kid light up. When they turn then and talk, maybe they start sharing more about the experience because you've logged 30 hours standing together outside in the cold making coffees for people. You've created space for it. Um, I think the key is creating the right environment. Yeah. So if you create a, an environment that allows for that, in a sense, it naturally will take place. In a sense, you've, like you're saying, 30 hours, yeah. you're spending time there. Yeah. You spend time on something enough and naturally the environment will show itself. Um, yeah. I know from the way we treat the body and mm. um, we come back to the health perspective. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, when we treat the body and we have um, a lower back pain or a knee pain, the way I describe it to my patients is if you've got a cut on your hand, someone can keep hitting that cut all day. You can plaster it. You can bandage it as much as you want. But if you don't change the environment, i.e. take away the hand <laughs> that keeps on slapping that cut, you aren't going to heal. Yeah. And, 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 and in a way, this is very similar. You've got to create the right environment mm. to be able to, to have that. Yeah. Um, and it starts with us and then family and then, and then within the community. Um, and if I draw that example, it could be me as, me as a person could say, right, today I'm dropping my phone down on silent and I'm going to just spend time, even if my son is just playing with his toys on the floor, just to sit with him. Mm. And spend that time. Now, obviously, I'm not going to have conversations right now, but I'm going to have right. a gaga. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that connection, he will notice. Yeah, he will understand. And that's me taking that time out. And that should translate later down the line to when he grows up, and he starts to realise that dad has time with me. Right. He spends that time with me, and then translate to the community where he goes to the community, or I go to the community, and I say, well, I've noticed the difference it's made in my life. I should do that same thing for anyone else that would like my space to be open for them and extends out to a variety of different communities going going forward. Um, so creating the right environment is going to be key. Matt, some practical tips here. We've got a couple sure. of practical tips we talked about. Um, just having a practice of eating meals together. Yeah. Um, and our second one was creating space or rather listening. Mm -hmm. And that creates the environment of space. Um, any other practical tips our audience could take away in terms of Getting to that point of not opening up, we talked about telling the story. I mm. like that. Setting the soil, right? Yeah. Planting the seed mm. for themselves to get to the point at which they feel like they're connected, they're communicating well with their community and with their family mm. um, and engaging more and getting that support that they, they very much need. I, I think the practice and rhythm, um, so I think trying things uh, repetitively, not just trying to create a rut, but whether it's the meal time, and it doesn't have to be, you know, if you're not taking any meals together right now as a family, don't suddenly say, we're taking every meal together as a family, and we're all going to go up and see dad at his office place in the middle of the day, we're going to take the kids out of school and go do this, we're going to go see mom right before the board meeting, and we're all going to be there with the pizza open or whatever. No, I mean, take small steps. So maybe it's saying, all right, we're going to do, we're going to try and do one, one night a week where we're going to sit down and, and do this together. Um, I remember a group actually when we were working in southern Spain with some different migrants who were coming through and working and there was a group of about 15 guys who lived in a house in one suburb area. All amazing 
West African guys, just really great, gregarious, big smiles. Um, but they took dinner together every night and they rotated through. Uh, one of my friends referred to it as a house without women. And it was really, many of these guys had wives back somewhere else, some were single, but there was something unique about the house as soon as you walked in and you realized um, there aren't any women here, it was all guys. And yet at night, they would all share a meal together. So two or three of them would all cook and they would stand around kind of tables together and eat at the same time. And several times when we'd go see them or we're working on some different things, they'd invite us to take a meal with them. And so I think that what we knew is that was not something unique for us. That was their practice they were in. That's what they did. And yet when new people came in, they were able to be invited into that. That was their rhythm. That was their rhythm. Mm. So I, I think finding rhythms that work... Um, you talked about the social media piece. Uh, this is not a time to try to bring in social media comparison mm -hmm. and try and look and say, well, that family had this meal. So if what we're able to offer tonight is soup together and some simple sandwiches, maybe we're not going to have the best conversations because you've got to have this full, you know, family spread if you're going to unlock conversations. I don't think so. I think you could be sitting on a street corner eating great samosas out of a paper cone and have amazing conversations that are yeah. going to come out of it yeah. because again you're in the rhythm of it mm. um so i think that would be the piece to look and say let's try something try something small and then allow it to to snowball uh, I, I wish i had uh better ideas on it no. um, there, there there are there are things if you get on and look at some of the apps i remember we did something with our kids at one point in time i think table talk or something else that might ask just funny silly questions you might even think of like oh this would have been in some card game we would have played or get to know your spouse game or this or that a newlywed game kind of questions but you ask somebody and you know whether it's a what's your funniest memory from high school or something else and all of a sudden a mom or dad is telling a story that their spouse might not have heard. And then the kids are just, you know, you, there could be anything going on TV. They don't care. The TV could be on. They don't care. They want to hear the story. story. They want to be in on that. And um, that's, the, that's the piece of it. Is And it may be a potentially personal uh, question here. No, but, yeah, please. Um, we have this conversation today, and uh, we've been talking about all these different things, but the a lot of us work on this instant gratification mm. type model which we've grown up into especially yep. me especially our generation and 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 later generations to come <laughs> will probably have the same but um there is a reward to this mm. a lot of us you know we, i'm talking about it now maybe people are thinking i've got too much stuff to do mm. you know this doesn't mean anything to me it's not really gonna make much difference to me i may be a little bit stressed i may have some emotional issues going on i maybe uh, need some support maybe relationships are breaking down but I still got stuff to do and I, and my time is more important to me than listening to someone's story mm. or visiting a community or spending a bit more time with my family on a, on a, on a meal. Um, what is that reward that you felt through mm. this, the ways that you've done over time when you've spent time with Mikias, with Lucy, you know, having the one-to-one -one conversations with Holly, just having that that one-to-one -one conversation with Holly and spending time together um, and then expanding that to communities and now the reward that you've seen in yourself, if if you can expand on that. And what I mean by yeah. reward, I, I'm, I'm going down the lines of, you know, how, how have you felt yeah. as you've done this more often and the days you don't do it, how do you feel? Hmm. You know, I think that as you lean in, uh, if there's if there's a reward, it's the 
um, it's the richness of, of shared experience in some ways. And so um, this may chase a bit of a rabbit, but it's worth it. Uh, when we talk about, Holly and I were talking through some memorable meals over the last couple years, just kind of related to some other writing she was doing. And so as soon as we would say something about a meal, or I remember being at your house for a meal, and then the tree that you guys had painted on, and the words, whatever else, and us taking pictures and stuff behind, it was just, you know, the mention of something then opened this other little floodgate of all the things that came around that. So I think part of this is related to the practice. What's the reward is that all of a sudden you get addicted to it. Like you've seen it, you've tasted it, and then you start saying, well, why would I want something different like it redefines part of what you want out of it and it doesn't become a a sort of hardship if you like or something that you have to we talked about about practice rhythm today putting it into schedule yeah yeah but it becomes a natural thing that you can't live without yeah am i suddenly going to say okay what i really want now is uh, i our, our kids for, for a season here and there the, will be having lots of families coming in the house and they'll be like, well, who's coming for dinner tonight? And we'll say, oh, it's just us. And you can't hear the, oh, oh, it's just you guys? <laughs> you know, whatever else. So I'd say that's, that's the reward in it. Not that your kids are always hoping there's a party at night, but there's a sense of like, well, we kind of thought, you know, there's extra seats at the table always. We kind of thought they were going to be filled. You know, like who's coming around tonight? Nice. So it begins to re- redefine our expectations um i think it you know we're talking about food and stuff people are probably going to be you know heading out to eat right after this after they hear this because i gotta eat now but but i mean i think it it changes our appetite so Mm. um if if you get in this habit suddenly you're going to say well i kind of miss the old meals where we didn't talk about what was going on i kind of miss the the times where um i think you know the typical in america and in the uk you walk into a restaurant midday at lunch. How many people do you see sitting alone with a phone out in front of them? Now, if if I could say, and, and I've taken one of those meals here and there because I'm in between a meeting or something else, but if you ask me on any given day, would you rather sit there alone with phone or whatever else, flip through news while you have a sandwich, or would you rather sit down with your buddy Zane and share some you know good food over at a local, uh, uh, local restaurant, uh, possibly falafel, possibly... <laughs> what, what would you rather do? That's easy. That's a no-brainer. There, there's no there's no way you'd go for that why I'd prefer to be sitting alone. Now, now with respect, because you're saying, hey, for some people that may be really hard. Mm. I guess what I'm saying is if you're willing to risk allowing your kind of desires to be changed, if you're willing to risk your expectations, if you're willing to risk kind of what you've known for something that would tie you in with other people. I I think that's some of it because what we can see is that it can change. And you were talking about things in our brains that fire off differently. Yeah. What we know is that our brains can rework. Mm -hmm. And when there's hurt, when there's fear, when there's expectations of like, if I share this, that person is going to run fleeing. And all of a sudden, when you sit down with someone and you share and they just say, would you tell me more? Or, I'm so sorry. Then all of a sudden, by... The mystery and beauty of how we are created, our brains start refiring in different ways. Wow. Our bodies can repair themselves. You you have a role in that through the health practices you do and mm. and and things you work people through. But 
we we can see new things happen. And so um, that that's what I think can be the reward. You know, we can rework our expectations. We can rework our appetites. We can rework the desires that we have and uh, and then see that change generationally. Mm-hmm. Matt, I think I think that is is the real crux of it and knowing what you just said there which one would you really prefer and opening up and seeing that actually if you take that little bit of risk sometimes you see that the end result is something beautiful yeah um and i think i can agree with that from what you've done with me personally i don't think anyone in my life so far outside of my community Mm. has taken the chance Mm. to just say do you want to grab a coffee at costa Mm. I remember that first time because I thought to my, I thought, told my wife, I thought, who's this <laughs> twice the age guy called yeah. Matt who's from America and uh, he wants to have a, co- a cost of coffee with me. I was thinking, okay. Um, but it just opened up what yeah. it is now. Yeah. yeah? And Matt, I really enjoy this conversation, oh. but if anyone wants to kind of get in touch with you, maybe they feel like you're the person who's going to open that space for them. Absolutely. Um, where can they find you? Where, anything that, anywhere, yeah. Any way they can find you? Probably the easiest thing, if you want to drop me an email at sprinkitpobox.com. I mean, through Great. kind of, uh, if you get on Refuge Coffee UK, uh, all that stuff links directly to my inbox as well. Message us, stop by for a cup. Uh, let me know you heard about it. I think we'll it. put the address up on the show notes so people can just walk by and go, oh, I've seen that one before. Yeah, if, if, tell you what, if you, if you come by and say, hey, Zane sent me, don't worry, I'll, uh, from, <laughs> from the podcast, I'll be sure we take care of you that day. But um, yeah, love to have conversations related to At Table. Um, Great, so to, if, they, if they email into um, to Spring Cat P.O. Box, the At Table piece and the Refuge piece. Absolutely, can that's the best the, way. The, the at Table doesn't really have an online presence, and part of that was... Uh, intentional because we really feel it needs to happen over conversations. Mm. It's not simply a curriculum. Do you know you do a newsletter, email type thing that you used to be doing? You continue. Yeah, we do some support stuff Mm -hmm. that happens as people enter into that process. But we wanted to make sure that people took it on as an experience. It wasn't something they could simply read about because, again, we're great about liking something or clicking on it and saying, oh, that's a great idea, and yet not doing it. Mm. And uh, if we're going to be people of practice, people of these new disciplines, we have to commit to these new practices and rhythms in, in actual fact, not just in a uh, ulterior uh, social media world. So. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. No, thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and we'll probably have you back on the show maybe for something a little bit more specific. Um, what I'm trying to do is generalize things a little bit, but we may find that people come back with a bit more specific things. Maybe I want to bring Pastor Matt Spring back on and say, hey, can you talk about this for <laughs> this to. conversation? So lovely to have you and I hope you come back on the show soon. Thanks so much, Zane.